I'm always excited to get to teach you, especially on topics that, you know, I kind of know about being a mom. We do have four kids, so if I had to qualify my message the last time on my testimony, I guess I'll qualify this one on the fact that we do have four kids. So um, we do. They're 14, 10, 8, and 3, and we love it. But I never necessarily set, it out, set out to, uh, we never talked about how many kids we would have. Um, I had some goals I wanted to reach and said, this was my big thing. God, I just want to graduate from, high, from college. And so the night of my college graduation, I got pregnant with our first one. So, and we know this for a fact. So um, it, it's amazing. And that was my whole thing. I just, I, we didn't plan. And then they just kept coming. The kids kept coming, but we love it. But speaking of our kids, our two uh, younger boys, the 10 and 8-year-old Cannon and Rowan, we're in a discussion the other day, and I don't really tune in most of the time as a mom. You, you, just until they ask you or you hear, you know, it reach a certain level, do you ever intervene? I think you kind of know as parents, so it's just droning that I was hearing, but then I, but then I heard him say, well, we'll ask mom. And so one of the boys, I don't know which one, said, mom, is it true that people make lists on how to be a better person? And I was like, well, yeah, that's probably true. And they said, but is it true that moms make lists on how to be a better mom? Listen, I don't, now I'm wishing I had clued in on why they were even talking about that because I thought maybe they were suggesting I should make a list. I was like, well, and I was like, you know what? Probably moms tend to like lists. We like to make a list of things. And they said, well, do you, do you have a list on how to be a better mom? You can see where I was getting a little insecure. Like maybe they were suggesting I should have this list. And I said, well, yeah, I do. I have a list. It's Galatians 5.22. And they were like, oh, Mom, they know what that is. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And I thought, well, you know, I mean, that's the ultimate checklist. Truly, that is the list that I go by. Because I think, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, I don't know that there's a better place to start or end up than the fruit of the Spirit as a mother. And I think that we all need it. I think, let's face it, the fruit of the Spirit has all the goods, right? It has what, we, what we're lacking and what we need. And so at the risk of that, that is part of my text. Um, is the fruit of the Spirit. We will read some other stuff too, but this is not just for moms. It is. It's specifically for you because I really want you to be encouraged. Tony kept asking me all week, well, what is it? I I have to confess something to you. I had three messages prepared. You know, productive much, overachiever. Anytime I take those tests, any personality test, it always says overachiever. So I had three, three messages prepared. Up until after the car wash and I came home, I was like, I don't know. Three of these. And so this is the one I landed on. And you guys may think, well, you should have maybe gone with the other two. But this is the one that I landed on. But I did. I had, I had a couple of lists in there. Um, I mean, a couple of messages in there. And they will, these do apply for the moms. And I thought, I want them to be encouraged. I think that um, moms tend to be really hard on themselves. And um, I have a few scriptures in here that you're going to think that maybe you personally wrote. It's two verses that you thought that maybe you had written or maybe the Lord heard your cries and put them in the Bible. But these are for men too. This list and this um, teaching is for the men and it's also for um, kid-free homes. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit's good for all of us, right? Not just for mothers. I think we in particular need extra fruit in our lives. But there's something that we emphasize a lot in our house and maybe it's because of our testimony, mine and Tony's testimony and how we've um, journeyed with the Lord. But something that we emphasize a lot in our house is that... um, um, apart from the Lord, apart from the work of the Spirit in our lives, as believers, there's not much that we're going to accomplish. 
Um, even Zephaniah 4.16, I think, is that right? Let me look at, yeah, 4.6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. That's something that I quote every, almost every morning before I even open my eyes because I hear it coming down the hall, you know? And I'm like, oh, Lord, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. It's going to be by his spirit that we can get these things accomplished. And we emphasize a lot of life by the spirit um, with our kids. Even Emma Kate, our three-year-old, when she was under two and Amy caught it on video, she could quote the fruits of the spirit. And at the end, she'd say, and against such things, there is no law. She knew, we, we know that to live this life that God has designed for us to live, to live a life worthy of the calling, which we talk about a lot, we're like, it's not going to be accomplished apart from the Spirit and the work of the Spirit. Second Peter 1 Peter 1.4 says this, and I love this, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now, how many moms in here can say amen? I need that. I need to be a partaker of the divine nature of Christ. That is what we need, especially when you're, when you're dealing with little ones and, and kids of multiple ages. We need his divine nature. But according to John 15, 5, and I want you to write that down, John 15, because I'm going to reference it also in a little bit. That's the passage of Scripture when he's talking about the vine and the vine dresser and being the vine and the branches. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Not as believers. And I want to tell you guys a story, and I've maybe mentioned this before. Years ago, I had a friend visiting from out of state, and she had a friend with her. They were in for a medical conference, and the girl that was with her did not know the Lord. She was a self-professed agnostic. And she said, you know, she came to our service out of respect for my friend and just, you know, sweet girl, sweet lady. And um, Sean led a song that night about the song that says that I am nothing, I am nothing without you. And you know that song? And then we declare that as believers in this sense of like humility and reverence for the Lord, acknowledging that apart from him, I mean, what can we truly accomplish? But you guys want to know that that really offended her. For us to be singing and declaring and even raising our hands up and saying, Lord, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. In our culture, in our society, for to admit that you're nothing and that you can't accomplish much on your own is like such an insult, is it not? I mean, we're an empowered culture, an empowered society, but as believers, we live by a little bit of a different standard, don't we? I mean, he has, he has set a standard for our lives that... It's going to take some grace. It's going to take some intentionality. But more than that, it's just going to take the Spirit of God for us to even walk this life out with the fruit that He wants us to produce. And there's a book that I love, and I'm going to reference it in a little bit by Andrew Murray. And he says that we produce fruit so that dying men may eat and live. I love that. You know, when we're a kid and we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and even now you may be having like a banana and an apple and a cluster of grapes in your mind of what the fruit of the Spirit is. But when we're a kid, we just think of it as something that's something we're supposed to possess. And it is. But guys, we, we grow in fruit because it's to, one, give the Lord glory. His glory is His reputation. The fruit in our life is the re- reputation of the Lord in our lives, is it not? But not just that. Did you know the people around you are to consume it? Did you know that they're to feast on the fruit of your life? What are they feasting on if not? If the believers aren't increasing in the fruit in the life, showing their relationship with Christ, the relationship with each other, what are they feasting on? That's why we produce fruit. And as moms, we need extra, don't we? 
we got a lot of kids eating our fruit. We just, lots, just one, you think, good Lord, that's a lot of eating. It's a lot of fruit they take from. So the Holy Spirit in this book, he talks about how the Holy Spirit is the vine. I mean, is the sap to the vine. So if he is the vine and and, um, we are the branches, the Holy Spirit is the thing that empowers us. The Holy Spirit is what gives us the ability to abide and to sustain and to be attached. Do you guys understand that? And I don't feel like I have to spend too much time on the abiding because honestly, I feel like Tony does a great job and just even through our worship, just the emphasis of just abiding and remaining in him, the importance of that. But, but that's, our, that's our spring pad. That's where we're launching from is that idea that, that we, we can't produce these things in and of ourselves. The stuff that the world needs, the stuff that our families need, the stuff that our husbands need, our friends, that's required of us as believers. Because the fact is, is that there are requirements for us, isn't there? And we are to bear much fruit. That is what he has asked us to do. So if my sermon in a sentence, and I do this to please Tony, is a life lived by the Spirit creates a fruitful home. That's my sermon in a sentence. A life that's lived by the Spirit is going to produce and create fruit in your home. And I know as moms, that's something you want. You want to be producing good fruit. That's what you want to be displayed is the good fruit. And that is only accomplished by a life by the Spirit. And I want, to, I want to, um, you guys to turn to Galatians 5. I said Galatians 5.22 is the fruit of the Spirit. But turn to Galatians 5 with me real quick because we're going to do a little bit of reading. Galatians 5.13, and in mine it says, the title of this is Life by the Spirit, Life in the Spirit. So starting at 13, and you may think, where am I headed with this? Galatians 5.13, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Who guides our lives? Holy Spirit. Make sure we're all on the same page here, reading on the same Bible. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Verse 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite. Say that word. Opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Why are we not free to carry out our good intentions? Lord knows, mothers, do you not wake up every morning with good intentions? Lots and lots and lots of good intentions. Lots of them. And if we were only judged by our intentions instead of our actions, wouldn't it be such a beautiful place? (laughs) So these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions because something is at war within us. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So what's our sinful nature? It's our flesh. This is the kind of stuff that comes natural, all right? This is just the stuff that if we aren't intentionally living by the Spirit, this is what comes out. And lists are scary, but this is what he listed. We're in 19. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, 
outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, some of you guys may have just said, you know, you just summed up my childhood, my home life. It pretty much did mine, my childhood and my home life growing up, especially the last half of that, what I was exposed to. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I love it. I love what it's emphasizing here, and especially in the middle portion of that, when we live by the Spirit, that there are two opposing forces that are at work within us, the flesh and the Spirit. Because what I want to encourage you guys with is this. I, I feel like you wouldn't be sitting here if you didn't have those good intentions if you didn't say, I want to live this kind of life. I want to live by the Spirit. I just don't think you would be sitting here if that wasn't a desire of your heart. You could be off doing a million other things, but you came tonight because you're like, you know, I want to grow in these things. I want to know more about this. Of course, to be in the presence of the Lord, but to be instructed. So I know that you're here, and I know, especially as mothers, it is a desire of your heart to live your life by the Spirit so that you can produce the good that the Lord has for us. But so often, the opposite spirit is at work. And so as I was thinking about this and thinking about the list and thinking about the boys wondering if I actually stuck to my list, and I thought, if I could ask my kids, do I live by that, by those nine? And Aiden, you, you don't have any freedom to speak up at all at this point, okay? Because <laughs> I know him, he will. If I could live, if, if I listed this nine and said, does your mama live, live by it? Or what is the opposite that manifests in your mom? I can tell you, they may not have the words, but they would know, right? And so I thought about that. I thought about the opposite spirit and working in the opposite spirit. What, what is the opposite spirit of the fruit of the spirit? So if the first one is love, and I think that's so interesting, it was, it was recorded first because I think it's the easiest. I mean, from the minute we took our pregnancy test or the first sonogram and you heard the first heartbeat, the first kick, were you not madly in love with that child? I mean, maybe not the unplanned one, but you grew to love it. But there's just this intense love that you really didn't even have to be uh, told. I didn't, I, no one had to tell me, oh, you're going to need to love Aiden. It was just so there. It was just so immediate. That love is just so um, a part of just being a mom, being a parent. So that love was so there. And I think that that's the easy part is to love them. But the opposite spirit that happens so quickly, and the reason why it happens so quickly is because once you have developed a capacity capacity to love, which we do with our children, simultaneously growing right beside it is fear. Right beside it. It's like the minute you grow to love someone, the minute you grow attached to someone or even something, even if you don't have kids, even place it to your, to your spouse or a good friend or, a, or an attachment to something, growing right up beside that love is fear. Right up there beside it. I wouldn't necessarily say that fear is the counterfeit of love, but it is a counterfeit in the flesh of something. It becomes the byproduct when we don't understand and we don't abide in 
the love. Deuteronomy says that it is the basis of our knowledge. The love of the Lord is the basis of our heart, what we know, who we know God is, his love. That is the basis. That is what that is founded in and grounded in. And when we're not grounded in and founded in that love, what opposite spirit as parents and as mothers in particular do we work in? It's not hate. We're not hating our kids, is it? It's fear. And fear of what? Some of you dads may be like, what in the world are these women afraid of? Everything. (laughs) Everything. Everything. You play worst case scenario in your mind about everything, don't you, moms? Go ahead. I I need some support here because I don't think I'm making this up. We're afraid of everything. There, there's a million and one ways to do things, and we've got to figure out which one of those ways that we've got to do it. And never mind the pressures that we have on us, that knowledge has increased sorrow, because now we know the expectations and the things that are out there, the, and the ideas and the, um, the philosophies and how we should parent, and should you do this, should you do that. And good Lord, now we're, we've just, fear is abounding in our hearts. Because we're like, well, I may be doing it wrong. I could be doing this wrong. Is that not a question that moms ask all the time? I don't think Tony and I blinked for about two hours after Aiden was born. We are just like, it, it was the most surreal. He's our firstborn. And I know you guys have had your firstborn. You're like, oh, what do we do with it? And everyone left. And it's just me and him. We didn't know what we were doing. We read books. God help us. We read books. Then that elevates the knowledge, which increased the sorrow in our lives. And you've got the internet, and that just don't search it. Don't. Do you understand the fear is just there? It's looming. It's right up there beside us. You know that word fear in the Greek is phobos, which is where we get phobia. (laughs) Phobias, we got them. I kind of have a fear of tight spaces, get a little claustrophobic. That means dread and terror. That's what that is. This dread and this terror. And as moms, I think that we might live in dread that we're not doing it right, that we're not being good, I'm not being a good mom, I'm not being this. I mean, I think the examples are as vast as the number of women in here. We each have our own thing that we might live in fear of as a mom. And the thing about it, what happens is fearful mothering is the springboard to something. It's like, I get the picture of a diving board, you know, and you're bouncing and you're bouncing and bouncing. And the fearful mothering leads to bad choices as a mom. You're like, I made that decision out of fear. Absolutely made that decision out of fear. Or insecurity, immediately insecure as a mom. Or uh, frustration or fatigue. That's, what, that's, the, that's the opposite spirit of God's love. When we're, when we're to be walking in God's love. Abiding in his love for us. For one, I think about First John 4 and it says that um, perfect love casts out fear. And it says because fear is, is basically afraid of punishment. So when you're grounded, mothers, I want you to listen to me. When you're grounded, when you're abiding in the love of the Lord, you're... You, there's no place for fear in being punished because you haven't been a good mom. Does that make sense? I want to encourage you guys with that. That could be a struggle for some people that they're like, I, there's this punishment looming over them. 
But when we abide in that love and we abide in the knowledge of who God is, which is a love, it increases our faith. We make our decisions based on faith rather than fear. We do. I read a quote. It said this, love is what we were born with. Fear is what we learned. It's what we learn the minute they're born. It's like, or even before they're born, I keep pointing to you, midwife. <laughs> but I get the, you know, the affirmation, so that helps me. But we, we are born with this sense of, they're born and we love them, but then immediately the fear is there. And so it's interesting because then I feel like this one builds to the next one, which is, what's the next spirit? We just covered love. It would be joy. And I'm not going to go over all of them. I'm really just going to kind of hit the first three. And I thought about what is for me, and maybe, you know what, for homework for you women, and even for you, everyone else, go home and list the fruits of the Spirit and ask the Lord to show you what is the opposite Spirit at work in my own life in this. Maybe you're like, I don't know if I'm necessarily fearful. What was the opposite? For me, the opposite of joy, the opposite Spirit, when the flesh is at work in my heart, and it's not, spirit, it's not joy that's abiding in me, the opposite Spirit is weariness. I'm weary. It's a weird thing. When you're fighting fears, you get tired, right? I mean, you are just exhausted when you fight your list of fears, when you're not abiding in love. And what does the word say? What is that? Nehemiah? Yeah, right? Nehemiah 18, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what strengthens us. That's our joy. I mean, it even goes on. Let's see. Let me think of another one. Psalm 6, 6. This one made me laugh. I was thinking about this. It says, I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. Do you know what he's saying there? Women, you probably already know. He's crying himself to sleep. He could swim in his bed from the tears of his weariness. He is weary, bone tired. Women, just by a quick show of hands, how many times have you ever or have you ever climbed into your bed so bone weary from mothering that you cried yourself to sleep. Anyone? Any moms? My confession is, is that I cry in my sleep. <laughs> and Tony will wake me, don't I? It's weird. I'm whimpering like a child, and it's usually revolving, revolving around a dream I've had about my kids. <laughs> Just crying. So, weary with our sighing. But here's the cool thing about joy. Joy doesn't depend on our circumstances. It doesn't. That's, the, that's why it's called joy instead of happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is that deep, that deep sense of contentment and satisfaction and knowing in spite of your circumstances. Because here's the thing. You guys have circumstances. Mothers, you have circumstances. I have four circumstances in my home. But the joy has to remain in spite of those. In spite of them. And so I love this passage in Romans 15 says this. This is a great prayer for you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What is empowering us? The Holy Spirit. This hope that rises up in us, a confident hope that we would be completely filled. Now, you may have a different idea of what the opposite spirit of joy is, but for me, and maybe for many of you, it's weariness. And then the third one is this. 
So we had love, we have joy, and then peace. There were so many words I could have thought of in the op- that work in the opposite spirit. But for me, and maybe for you, and I know for some of you because we talk about this kind of thing, when I am not abiding, when I am not um, resting in his love, when I'm not abounding in joy, even in my circumstances, what the, the opposite spirit every time is anxiety. It's just anxiety. I mean, we have become an anxiety-ridden society. I mean, everyone I know has anxiety about something. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we are fearful. Maybe it's because we're weary and now we've become anxious. Gosh, it's super hard to fight anxious thoughts when you're weary, isn't it? It is so hard to fight that anxiety when you're weary. And it's hard to have peace when you're anxious all the time. I love, it says in uh, Ephesians 2.14 that he himself is our peace. He, he is our peace. Like, it's not like, where can I get peace? He is our peace. Jesus is your peace. When you abide in him, that is your peace. And people are like, I just need peace. I'm like, well, it's Jesus. It's not in the form of some kind of politics or pill. It's Jesus. I mean, he is. This is what it promises. He is your peace. So if you're in a state of anxiety or turmoil or strife, which was a couple of the words that I got opposite of peace or in the opposite spirit, he himself is your peace. The Lord is your peace. Literally, the Prince of Peace. That's who you call out to. I love the scripture, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And you guys probably, hopefully have it memorized. Mark it, because if you don't, it's a good one. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is a peace that we can know. I want to encourage you moms with that. There is a peace that you can know in your mothering and in your homes that guards your minds, that guards your hearts. And that peace is in Christ Jesus. I love it. It's a peace that passes all of our comprehension. And when we have peace here, you guys understand there's peace here. Do you understand that? I don't know that peace can exist out here on its own apart from this. Not truly. It's not going to, there, there might be a form of stability. There might even just be a, a, a status quo. But true peace, that peace that's deep, that peace that says, I don't have to be anxious, that's only going to be found in the Lord. And you see how love, joy, and peace work together. Love, joy, and peace are from God to man. That's how that works, from God to man. It's this kind of relationship. We abide in those, in the love and the joy and the peace. That's coming from here. But the next six are from man to man. Have you guys ever thought about that? The love, joy, and peace is here, and then the rest get acted out. Those first three are what's kind of in us, consuming us. It's what's dictating the rest of them, so to speak. Think about that. Think about when you're abiding in the love and the joy and the peace, and those things are, are uh, manifesting and growing and producing the fruit in your life. Think about that. The next one being this, patience. I mean, how many of you girls have prayed, I want to be a more patient mother? I mean, I just, I need more patience. I need more patience. 
But here's what I think happens, the opposite spirit of patience. When you've been letting fear make your decisions, when you're weary from it, and you've grown anxious, instead of being patient, you'll become frustrated. Right? So frustrated. Think about the times that you have been so ashamed of yourself as a mother, and you're like, I was so frustrated with them. So frustrated. And then, rather than being kind, we become hostile, at least in our home. That may not be true for you guys. But the opposite spirit in the flesh, the opposite of kindness is hostility. It's just not being nice. Not being nice to them, just hostile towards them. And then there's goodness. And I, and I couldn't think of another word except badness. I was like, well, I mean, if I'm not being good, I'm just being bad, plain and simple, right? It's just being a bad mom. <laughs> just badness is coming out of me. I mean, I've said before, I just, the Lord just never, I, I just always need to be saved. I just, I just need the Spirit. I just need the Spirit. I'm just going to tell you that. I would just be bad, okay? Maybe you wouldn't. That would just be bad. And then instead of gentleness, the opposite spirit, when we're in the flesh, is harshness, being harsh. And that is so easy to do, to be harsh with them, just harsh as moms. And instead of being faithful, because we have gotten so worn down from the opposite spirit, from the living in the flesh instead of living by the Spirit, instead of becoming faithful, we've grown so weary that we get apathetic, and then suddenly we don't care. But women, let me tell you, we don't have the luxury as Christian women to grow apathetic in the raising and the instructing and nurturing of our children. We don't have that luxury. We, we cannot write off our kids. We can't just say, forget it. Just forget it. Maybe, I hope, I hope they come to know Jesus someday. And I do say this. Well, if I were perfect, then they wouldn't need Jesus. So there is that. But the thing is, is that we don't, we can't afford to grow apathetic. We are to remain faithful. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever thought about that? That faithfulness is always seems like something that we're just supposed to take on. But did you know that's a result of abiding? That your faithfulness increases as you abide in Christ. That is fruit from abiding in him. So if there is a sense of apathy in you in the sense of like, I give up in that area, because I think we'll do that. We give up in areas, don't we? I'm just going to give up on that. Oh, uh, Lord knows we are guilty of it. Tony and I have had some serious come to Jesus's over the last 14 years. When the Lord, either through prophetic dreams or the Lord just smacking us right between the eyes and we have repented and we said we grew apathetic. We were not faithful in this area, in, in this area with our kid. And as a mom, I can just uh, kind of be passive parent in certain things, you know, just kind of passive parenting. and just like, I'm dying. But we can't afford it. But here's the thing. That doesn't have to be produced in and of yourself. That's produced of the Lord. That's the gift. That's the sweet thing about the fruit that we so desperately need is that he provides it for us. That's, we can't grow it. It comes because we're attached to him. And the Holy Spirit's empowering us to create it. And then the last one is self-control. Or self-control, as Emma Kate says. And obviously the opposite spirit of that is selfishness. 
And how many times I've sat with moms and we've been like, I'm such a selfish mother. Because we get agendas and we have things we want to do. And for God's sake, we'd love to craft. <laughs> and there's just not time. We'd love to finish a project. We'd just love to finish a project. And so then they just, you know, it's so funny that self-control is listed last. I would think you'd need to be listed first in the fruit, right? Because doesn't it kind of start there? But no, actually just kind of ends there. It does. Like in the end, she's going to need some self-control. Because in the end, the other eight may not be lining up like you need them to line up. But that ninth one, that one matters. Especially for mamas and little ones in the home. You're just going to need some self-control. Now, some of me calling CPS. We have to have self-control. It's all complete. It's all needed. In our own strength, we cannot possibly get this all done. And that's what I encourage you guys with is that you don't have to do it in your own strength. And I hope that this is a really sweet reminder for some of you that if you have felt like you've been failing, if you've been swimming in the pool of your own tears in your bed at night, there is hope for you. You can have a confident hope that you can possess the things. You can possess the things that the Lord has for you to be a great mom, a great mom. That is within all of us. And you guys are great moms. So I want to read one quote before we close from this book. I have given this book to so many people. Don't sell me out if, I, if it's been you because I have a lot of people or I've been like, hey, we just did it as a study. I've done it as a study with people. I'm always pushing this book. Look at it. Amazon, get this book, okay? It's uh, Andrew Murray, The True Vine. There's 31 little chapters in here. And uh, so you can do it like a devotional. But he takes John 15 and he breaks that down and what it means. I'm telling you, it is life changing, this little book. It'll stay on your bedside. It's a great, it's just a great little devotional, but it's deep. And the chapters are short and there's always a little prayer. But he says this, this is my closing. He says, he's talking about the part of scripture that I referenced earlier without me, you can do nothing. And he says, what a plea and what a call every moment to abide in Christ. We have only to go back to the vine to see how true it is. Look again at that little branch, that's us, utterly helpless and fruitless, except as it receives sap from the vine and learn that the full conviction of not being able to do anything apart from Christ is just what you need to teach you to abide in the Heavenly Father. That conviction, the realization, and maybe it's your realization for the first time tonight of like, I can't accomplish this apart from the Lord. I can't accomplish the life that God has for me. Because here's the deal. There's a lot of people who are living good lives. They are. They're accomplishing some good things. But like I said earlier, there's a standard that the Lord has set for us. Grace raised the bar as believers. It raised the bar. Christianity is not easy, is it? Believing in Christ. He even said, count the cost. Because it's difficult. Make sure you're going to have what you need to finish. But it's raised the standard for us. And when you have that realization that apart from him, apart from Christ, I'm not going to be able to accomplish it, anything, that's the very thing that you need that's going to make you abide in him. Isn't that sweet? That's good of the Lord, right? You should be, y'all, we should be like hankies celebrating that he didn't leave us to figure this out. The very, the very emotion and, and need that we acknowledge is the very thing that compels us to need him more. Isn't that beautiful? think about that? He hasn't left us out there just floundering. Oh God, I need you. I need you. 
That very need draws us to him. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you. That's so encouraging. Then he says this. um, His prayer says this. Without me, you, you nothing. Lord, I gladly accept the arrangement. It's like there's this sense of humbling. I, I'm going to gladly accept the arrangement that you're the vine and I'm the branch and that you're Holy Spirit. I'm going to accept that arrangement. Some of you guys have been fighting that arrangement for a long time. It's not working out for you. It's not. He says this, I nothing you all. My nothingness is my highest blessing. Have you ever considered, moms, your nothingness as your highest blessing? It is your highest blessing because you are the vine that gives and works all. You guys stand with me. A life lived by the Spirit creates a fruitful home. I hope tonight, and that's so weird to think, that I hope you realize you're nothing. That could have been my sermon in a sentence. Know that you are nothing. That's right, I'm not going to say that out loud. But I hope you know that you are, that, you know, you're, you, you're thinking, why haven't I accomplished more? Why haven't I done more? What, what's the problem? What's the hang-up? Why am I having these issues? Why is there just this, that, the opposite? You're beginning to recognize maybe the opposite, the opposite things playing out in your home and in your heart. And this is it, you guys. This, this is what it's about. Are you abiding? And, are, and then are you abounding in that? If you're not abounding... It's because the flesh is. If you're not abounding in these things, and here's the thing. As moms, we have these moments, don't we? These moments of like, we're just so in the spirit, and we nailed it. And then you're like, the flesh is right there. Isn't that so true? But my prayer is like Andrew Murray's prayer for all of us, not just for moms, but that's my special encouragement to you, is that, you know what? Own it. I am nothing apart from him. Nothing. I will not be the mom God has called me to be apart from him. Therefore, I'm going to let that compel me and draw me and pull me closer to him. Put it to the test and see. See that you won't abide and abound in him. And that fruit, that fruit that I know you want in your homes, it's going to be there. And you know what? Just start with the first one. Start with the first one. For some of you guys, fear, that's been it. How can you even get to the other things. Start with that one. Start with that and say, Lord, I want to completely absorb what it means to know your love, to abide in your love, and let that increase my faith so that I'm not walking in fear. Start there. Just let the Lord bring that victory in your life. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you, God, that your promises are yes and amen for us. These are magnificent promises that you have for us as believers, Lord, and specifically as mothers. And we just say thank you for the Holy Spirit that is the life source for us. It is that sap that keeps us, that sustains us. Thank you for that, Lord. And I just pray right now for any moms who have been in the, I just picture just the tormenting waters deep, churning, stormy waters of shame and guilt. I just pray right now, Lord, that you would absolve them. Lord, that when we come and we rest in you and we we abide in you, 
We're taking on your divine nature. Lord, I just pray against any shame and guilt right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that these women would feel empowered in their nothingness and know, God, that you are able, that you are our peace, you are our joy. I pray blessings over these mothers, blessings over their home. I pray for fruitful homes in the name of Jesus. Amen.